Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, talking about teaching game design. What does it look like to bring somebody underneath your wing, to mentor them, to show them the ropes, to show them all the different things you've learned and experienced and kind of impart that wisdom onto them? We're talking to Joe Slack from Crazy Like a Box. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Gabe. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. Glad to have you on the show. You're a guy that has has somewhat recently uh, dove into the game design uh, experience full-time, you know, leaving the corporate world, leaving the business world, so to speak, and jumping in, I guess, into a different kind of business, right? Game design is still business, but jumping into the full-time professional way of doing things. And you're also a teacher. Like you got hired on at a university to teach game design, which is super interesting and really cool that that's where universities are, are headed now that this is actually something you can take as a class and get credit for it and, and learn all these different things. That definitely wasn't around, you know, just a handful of years ago when I was in college. And so I'm interested to hear your experiences and kind of what you're doing to bring teaching game design to the classroom, to a younger generation, to, you know, new people getting into the hobby. But before we get into that, how'd you get into all this? How'd you get into game design? That good stuff. Well, like, uh, like a lot of the viewers and a lot of your former podcast guests, I got into games uh, from an early age, playing uh, games like Monopoly and Life and Clue. And then uh, I was really introduced to some other games like Risk in a, as part of a, a board game group that uh, they had going at my school. And all through my life, I played tons and tons of card games. I played uh, cribbage and euchre and hearts and all sorts of different games. So I was always into games a lot. And then when I got a little bit older, I uh, had more board game nights with with friends and with family and that type of thing. And we quite often break out like party games and that type of thing. And we really enjoyed them and had a great time playing them. But then I'd say about maybe five or six years ago, I got introduced to modern board games and started playing games like Pandemic and uh, Codenames and Azul and, and games like that more recently. And it was when I was playing some of those party games, though, with some of my friends, uh, that we, we really enjoyed the experience at first. But then after we played the games a bunch of times, they got kind of repetitive, and uh, it wasn't quite as much fun after a while. And I started to think, well, wouldn't there be a way that I could create a game that's kind of like this, but has a little bit more to it, a little bit more creativity, a little bit more replayability, that type of thing. And that's where I really started designing um, games of myself. So I started with a party game and um, worked out from there and continued to design other games. And, uh, you know, once you have one idea, it just blossoms into another and to another. And uh, since then, I've, I've designed dozens of games at uh, various different stages. Yeah, very cool, man. I'm excited to kind of hear a little bit more about your experience, especially when it involves like the classroom environment and things like that in just a second. But like, let's get a good uh, like idea of like what we're really talking about. Cause I feel like there's a pretty good spectrum of teaching game design. And so like when, when, when you're saying teaching game design, like what does that mean to you? Well, I was hired on at Wilfrid Laurier university and they have a fairly new program there. It's the game design and development program. I think it's about four years old now. I think it's the fourth year. And so it's still pretty new. And it's uh, so we're up in here in Canada and I believe there's about nine different game design programs all across Canada, but almost all of them are exclusively based around video games, or at least focus on that mostly. And this is the only program of its kind that 
touches on all sorts of different games. So they talk about tabletop, video games, live action role play, um, escape rooms, all sorts of different types of games. So um, they have a really cool mandate as well, uh, which is to get, make games that are going to change the world. That's their whole thing. So this particular program, what they're trying to really emphasize is bringing students in who are interested in working with either corporations or nonprofit or some different sectors and creating some games that are actually going to be able to help them. So working with these organizations to accomplish some of their goals. So some of these organizations may not have a ton of money to spend on um, getting video games created or that type of thing. So it's about getting students thinking about making meaningful games, games that are actually going to have some meaningful difference, not just necessarily focusing on fun, but maybe something uh, that's a little bit more educational or, or helpful towards that organization, but done sort of in a fun or at least engaging way. Yeah, very cool. And I think what you're talking about is like the really structured, you know, it's classroom environment kind of thing. I feel like, you know, teaching games, a lot of people, they don't fully grasp like what that really means. I know there are a lot of people that would tell you that would say, oh, I can't, I could never teach game design. Mm -hmm. Like I've only been doing this for a year. And it's like, well, yeah, you, you've been doing it a year longer than anyone who has never done it. Right. <laughs> so like you have a year's worth of knowledge. And so I feel like teaching game design actually goes a lot deeper and a lot further than a lot of people realize. I feel like there might be... And, Correct me. I add to this as you feel uh, necessary. I feel like there's three kinds of, of teaching game design, maybe on the spectrum where you're just talking about with the classroom environment, super structured, you know, curriculum. This is what we're doing. Maybe there's some books they're reading. Like it's very, very structured. And then maybe the kind of the halfway point of some structure. So for instance, I had a, a high school kid, I think he's 17 or 18. He's a senior in high school in San Francisco. He sent me an email five or six months ago. And he asked if I would uh, mentor him for his senior project and he's making a deck building game about climate change and, and global warming and different things like that and so he asked if i would like sponsor him or be his like supervisor for this thing and i had to you know fill out some paperwork and do different things to make it a little more official and we would meet once or twice a week and uh, we've been meeting once or twice a week and just talking through game design and, and i'm giving him pointers and he's sending me ideas and, and writing up rules and i'm editing and kind of helping him through that process so that's kind of like some structure but not a ton and i feel like the the basic level of teaching is just like me and my daughter, right? I'll, I'll be there working on a game and she comes down and sits down and says, Hey, Hey, what if, what if we did this? Like, what if you roll this die and the, the character moves over here? It's like, okay, yeah, cool. So like not a lot of structure, not a lot of format, definitely not a curriculum or anything like that. Just kind of loose talking having fun, you know, showing somebody younger, somebody hasn't been working on designs as long, the ropes and different things like that. So I feel like there's those three like types of teaching game design? Am I missing anything? Like, what, what do you think? Well, that's that's really cool. First off, that uh, somebody reached out to you and they're making a game about climate change. You wanted your help. So that's really cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a really awesome process. I've been super excited to, to work with this kid. And he's really he's really cool. He's, he's really awesome. He's, uh, he's just been a lot of fun to, to work with. Really nice. That's awesome. Um, so uh, with the program that I was teaching in, um, there was definitely a curriculum. So I was actually very fortunate because I got hired on by um, Scott Nicholson, who's the director of the program here. He needed to take a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a break um, because he was doing a lot of other projects as well, and he needed to reduce his course load. So uh, that's when he, you know, sent out the, uh, or, or rather the um, posting went up for the position uh, to cover for him. So um, yeah, he. I was very fortunate because he already had the curriculum pretty much set. Um, so I didn't have to necessarily come and you know create all the slides and all the content and whatnot. So we had it laid out week by week. But it was really um, my uh, own choice of exactly how I wanted to go about doing it and what games to introduce and that type of thing. So typically what we did was over the course of the 12 weeks, we would have a specific topic for that week. So we'd have classes twice a week for about an hour and a half each. And 
for that particular week, we'd have one or two topics that we'd really get into. And so the structure would be somewhat like this. I would, I would get up in front of the class and introduce the topic that we're going to be talking about that week. And I'd do a short lesson on it. Uh, we do some, um, occasionally we do some activities, some group activities or um, activities where I would ask them to reflect on something, write something down, and then we do sort of a think-pair-share, which is where they would think of an idea or, or I'd ask them a question, they'd write down their ideas, and then they'd pair up with somebody beside them, share that idea, and then they might pair up again. So as they're doing this, they're getting more and more ideas and it's kind of growing from there. We also did some group activities where we would give them a certain situation and say, what type of a game would you make in this situation? Or what type of thing would be appropriate for a game in this in this particular situation? And what was really cool too was it wasn't just me standing up there and lecturing and having the kids all sit back and, and just listen. It was a very, very interactive program. So I asked a lot of questions. I tried to get a lot of engagement from them. And the lectures that I did were very short. So we went right from them into activities. And then we often actually played games right in class. So some of the games that we played in class were, uh, for example, we had one week where we were looking at working as part of a team in board in uh, game design and that type of thing. So I introduced them to a bunch of team games and co-op games. So I brought in a whole bunch. I brought in Escape Curse of the Temple, The Mind, Pandemic, Flashpoint, Fire Rescue, Forbidden Island, Magic Maze, um, Cranium, I, I believe I even brought in. And they just got into groups and just played these different games. And then there was another week where I was just talking about how you can start with simplicity. It doesn't have to be something terribly complex. And I was talking about how even just a simple deck of cards can make a really intriguing game. So I brought in a bunch of games like Flux and For Sale, Millsborn, um, Cheaty Mages, and a bunch of others, and they just got the experience of playing those. Um, so we also played um, a bunch of other games like um, Two Rooms and a Boom. Uh, we tried Code Names, and uh, we tried some some other kind of hybrid games as well. Um, but what was really cool too was I wanted to give them ex the experience of what it was like to also play a game that wasn't fully published as well because what the this was a foundations course so they were just coming in fresh out of high school a lot of them had only had the experience with playing game like playing video games and maybe mobile games and didn't necessarily have a lot of tabletop experience or rpgs and that type of thing so we talk about these topics and then i'd get them to uh, play some of these games as well we played um, some role-playing games live action role-playing um, I did a, a Parsley game, which is uh, a game that's kind of based on the old DOS computers where uh, I'd go around the classroom and say, okay, here's the situation, and you have an exit to the right and exit to the left. Where, what are you going to do? And they have to, in a few simple commands, say, okay, we're going to exit right, exit left, pick up the stick, talk to the guard, whatever it happens to be. And I would be like the computer um, uh, giving them back the information. Uh, so if they didn't they say the command correctly, it would be like, sorry, did not understand or did not compute and pass the next person. So I gave them a real introduction to a bunch of different games like that. And like I was saying, I also wanted to give them the experience of what it's like to play a game that's not fully developed. So in this course, they were just really learning the fundamentals. Um, and as part of the assignments, they were developing ideas and a design document for a game that they were actually going to prepare for an organization, a local organization. And so I wanted to encourage them and to let them know that when they get into the second half of the course, which was being taught by Scott, when they were going to actually be trying these games and play testing them, I wanted to give them the experience 
that it's not always going to go perfectly. It's not always going to go exactly the way you th think, and that's okay because um, you're going to get feedback. You, like you want that, and you want to be able to take that feedback without getting defensive or or taking it personally. So what I did one time was I brought in um, a game that I'm working on for uh, elementary schools. It was a game about classroom bullying, and it was a very very early prototype. It was uh, not playtested at all yet, and I knew it was going to completely fall apart. Uh, so I intentionally brought it in just to show them what it was like. So they all gathered around and they played the game, and uh, things were obviously not working as as well as expected. And then afterwards, I asked questions and got feedback and got their their experience. And then I, when they sat back down, I tried to reiterate to them that this is this is the experience that you might have, and you might come up with a game. And you might try it out and it might completely fall apart. It might not work at all like you want, but it's okay. I wanted to get them into that mindset that it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail and fail fast. And then what you're going to do is you're going to get that feedback, change up your game and come back again with a new version. And it's going to keep getting better and better. So there was a lot of different things that we did in the classroom. And uh, it, was, it was just a really cool experience showing them things that they hadn't seen before. Yeah, definitely. I love how you began with the foundation of let's play really good games. Let's go out and let's find some of the best games of all time. Let's play those, especially because these are probably, you know, kids that, like you're saying, don't have a lot of experience. And so taking code names, a game like Ticket to Ride, you know, uh, Small World, like any of these like classic games have been around in the top 100 and Board Game Geek, you know, just awesome, amazing games. And saying, hey, we're going to play these. That's one thing, you know, I, I teach English here in Honduras and I, to high school kids. And one of the things that I've noticed is that it, it's so much better for these kids to experience the greatest stories of all time, as opposed to just the stories that are in the literature book. So our literature book that we use, it's fine. It's got some decent stories in there that are okay by, you know, authors that are kind of well-known, but I've kind of done away with using it because I want them to be exposed to the best. And so we've been reading Sherlock Holmes and we read, we just finished up The Hobbit. And so I'll go online, I'll find PDFs in the public domain of like the classics, you know, whether it's uh, 1984 or Brave New World, like I want them to be exposed to the best of the best literature, not just like okay stuff, because hopefully they're going to see this greatness and then go, man, this is, this is great. I want I want to read more. I want to experience more. And so hopefully these kids are like, yeah, these are great games. I want to, I want to play more. I want to design some of these kind of games. And I feel like that's a really good place to just foundationally start. Cause I mean, honestly, most all of us started out with playing cool games. And we're like, I think I could do this too. Like it, it started with playing and then realizing I could design one of these. And so I think that's a really cool uh, place to start. Now, what have you, what have you noticed about their reactions to these games? Have you seen that those light bulbs come on and they go, man, this is a fun game, but what if we did I mean, and start kind of jumping into the design mode after playing a great game? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, like I was saying, that a lot of the students didn't have the experience of playing a lot of these games, so it was, it was very new to them. And so it was great to see, um, you know, you break out a game like um, Anomia or Codenames or something like that, and, and seeing the kids getting really, really engaged in something that they normally wouldn't even play um, or wouldn't even give a chance necessarily. Because like I was saying, there's a lot of these kids are, are our students are, are more into video games, mobile games, and that type of thing. Like they, they're trying to, uh, they, they're a lot of them said that they're very interested in creating AAA games, for example. So they don't really necessarily have the intention of coming in and learning about tabletop games and creating these games for themselves. So what we wanted to do was give them a, a broad, vast experience of all different types of games, so they could look at this and say, you know what, I, I think I might just go and, uh, and, and create something like this. And what was really cool was uh, a couple of the students actually, they were talking to me about uh, during the, uh, the course that they were creating their own game. Um, we had um, 
these uh, weekly meetups on, um, I think it was on Thursdays, week, uh, these weekly board game uh, jams kind of thing at the, at the university as well, where students and faculty and anybody else from the community could just come in and play test each other's games. And it was really cool to hear that a couple of the students were saying, yeah, I made, I made a card game and oh, this other student in the class is helping me with the art and we're going to go play test it tonight and in the group and stuff. And I, I thought that was really awesome. And I checked on them afterwards and see how it went. And they said, oh, you know, there were some good parts and bad parts and whatnot. But uh, it was really cool to see them kind of getting into that and, and getting into and, and trying different games that they wouldn't, ever, wouldn't necessarily be exposed to. Yeah, that's awesome. And another thing that kind of goes along with the video games uh, or designing video games, I've talked to so many video game designers that are kind of now in the board game hobby for different reasons, whether they're working with licensed IPs or, or whatever. And they all have said very similar things of even in the video game world, a lot of times your your first prototype is a board game, right? You don't just jump right into designing 3D models and all that kind of stuff because that's expensive. It's expensive to do that and it takes a lot of time and effort and energy and you might just throw away the whole thing because that's a lot of wasted time and money. And so what they'll do is they'll design a board game version first as a prototype, just kind of push some stuff around, you know, get some things out on note cards and get some pieces and dice and just kind of start playing with the mechanisms of the game that it will eventually be 3D, will eventually be a video game, but it starts off in board game form. So I feel like learning these skills, even if you go into video games, is going to be super helpful to you in that field. Absolutely. That's actually something that we emphasized as well. Uh, we talked about that and how um, putting a lot of time and resources into coding things and putting the graphics and that type of thing, it takes a lot of time. And you really want to kind of test that minimum viable prototype or minimum viable product first. And the easiest way to do that is to create some cards, create a board, just create something simple just to see if the concept's actually working. So we really encourage the students to, to start with that. And um, in the second half of the course, that's what they were going to be doing. They were gonna be taking that idea and creating a tabletop version of the game. Even if their intention was to create a video game out of it, they would start with that and at least figure out how it kind of worked and what worked and what was fun, what was engaging, and what wasn't before they go and spend a whole bunch of time learning how to code and do all this. Cause it's, yeah, it's just a lot faster for a process. Yeah, very cool. Now, you've you talked a little bit about your curriculum. Give me like the, the bird's eye view, the 10,000 foot view of how you structure the class, like different units. I know like I know, I know in my class I have, we, all right, for this unit, we're going to do research papers and we're going to just dive into that. And next unit, we'll do short stories. And next unit, we'll do poetry or whatever. So how do you structure your class for like for the units? Sure. So uh, what we did was really started off with a little bit of an intro to the program and the course, what they're going to learn and how it's really about meaningful games. And they're going to learn about all different types of games, not just video games, but also tabletop games and live action role playing and all these other different types as well. And then we got into talking um, in the next class about what is fun and how not all games are necessarily fun. Um, they have different aspects of them that make them engaging but not necessarily every single game is fun and how you can create a game is not necessarily fun but can still be really really good and we went into careers in gaming um, uh, different jobs in the industry uh, we talked about different platforms we went in and then we started getting into uh, the game design first steps where we're really talking about what is theme what are mechanics what are constraints that type of thing just kind of get into de definitions and the parts of games and then we started going in a little bit deeper about talking about the experience and meaningful decisions and creating prototypes and that type of thing. And, and then uh, towards the end of the course, we were moving into the design document. So throughout the course, they had a number of different assignments. So uh, the first assignment was kind of fun. It was just a really small one that wasn't worth many marks, but it was just to kind of see where they're at. And it was called, uh, what is a good game? So they had to uh, pick out a game that they enjoyed 
say why it's why it's a good game, and then uh, critically analyze one aspect that could be better. And then that led into the next assignment, and then into the next assignment, and we were gradually getting them the feel for the different parts of a game, uh, what made up and contributed to a game, and eventually the last one was the design document. So the last few courses we really focused on this, and this was really where we were getting the students to talk about what organization they were going to be working with, what type of game they're going to be making, what was going to be the uh, the player structure of the game, the theme, what kind of components there would be, what the mechanics would be of the game, and just kind of outline what the game would be about. So by the end of the unit or the course, they would have a design document that they could move forward with, and then in the next term, use that to actually start designing the game. So really, this course was about the foundations, getting them to learn all the different pieces that go into a game so that they could apply that knowledge and then start to actually create their own. Yeah, very cool. Now, do you ever get into, even even if it's in a different class, do you ever get into the publishing side of things, like how to make a sell sheet, how to talk to publishers, how to do the manufacturing, any of the business side? Well, I think that's uh, something that they would hit later on, maybe in year three or year four. So I was focusing in, in on uh, year one, where they were just learning uh, sort of the basics. Uh, but one thing that was really cool was uh, one session toward the end, we finished a little early, and I said, okay, uh, we got a little bit of time here. So... Um, I'm going to do a little bit of an ask me anything. So we've got 10 or 20 minutes. So ask me anything you want about um, games, game design, prototyping, publishing, self-publishing. And that's where we kind of got into some questions about uh, like what is self-publishing and what is crowdfunding and how do you get your game signed? And I talked a little bit about uh, the two games that I got signed and my experience in that. And we talked about like the royalty structures and um, how to go about getting your game signed and that type of thing. So not necessarily in the course itself, but we did get into some conversations about that to kind of get them a little bit of a feel for uh, what it means to to kind of get your game published or or how to go about that process. Right. But you're also saying that there are other courses that then they could take, you know, year two, three or four that do go into some of these deeper concepts. Absolutely. Yeah. So some of the later courses, they were talking about entrepreneurship and marketing and psychology and yeah. all these other different aspects. So uh, the whole four-year course that they took, um, they learned all about games, but all about the other aspects, about the business aspects, about how to project manage, how to um, get your game signed or create your game yourself and, and kind of self-publish and how to be a business person and learn kind of that aspect of it as well. Yeah, very cool. Man, we live in exciting times. I wish this stuff existed when I was in college. I was wasting my time on so many courses that like literally do not matter at all whatsoever. You know, it would have been so cool to take something uh, like this and, and just be talking about things that would eventually maybe even help me down the road. Even if I didn't go into board games, at least I'd be learning about marketing and psychology and business, like all these things that affect so many different avenues in life. Absolutely. I mean, I took all these courses on math and statistics and uh, yeah, then right. got into healthcare and that type of thing. And if, uh, if board game design was around back then, um, I don't know if I would have jumped on it right then. But if, if I had the interest that I do now, that would have been my first choice by far. Yeah, definitely. And I've got friends that took like bowling and racquetball, you know, like things that are fine. I guess they help you stay in shape a little bit, but they're not going to help you long term. You know, it's not what college is really for or what it's supposed to be for. Absolutely. Yeah. There's not a lot of programs and that type of thing out there. So uh, when I first heard about this uh, university program, I thought it was truly amazing. And I mean, it's only a few years old right now. Um, so really tabletop games have, have really come a long way. And it's it's just 
kind of getting into schools right now and getting people interested. And I also work with um, a number of teachers uh, in my area as well. So I'm designing classroom games there. So it's really, really cool to see even in the elementary schools and in, uh, in the elementary grades that they're really interested in incorporating games into the classroom more. So um, I've been able to actually um, design some games myself on my own and also get ideas about specific units and topics that some of the, the teachers want games for exactly. So I've been able to create some games and they've introduced them to their classrooms and um, the kids absolutely love it. And they don't even realize that they're learning, which is the really cool aspect of it, um, to make a game that, that's fun. And it's, it just happens to be educational as well. Yeah, something I was talking to my students about the, the other day. Uh, if Basically, if I can trick them into learning, that is my ultimate goal, right? We have fun, we do something engaging, and I, I basically kind of trick them into learning whatever topic or concept that we're doing. That way they don't feel like it's just a grind, that they're just having to memorize something or anything like that. I want it to be more than that. Now, have you have you done anything with like gamifying your classroom or, or worked any, uh, with the gamification? Um, we talk about gamification a little bit, but I haven't really incorporated that uh, so much in, in my course. Um, I intentionally kind of wanted to avoid that because uh, when I was talking to, uh, to Scott Nicholson, uh, I know one of the things he was talking about was in one of the later classrooms, or one of the later courses rather, he actually gets them to uh, put together what the grading scheme is going to be and what are how are the grades going to kind of come together so it, it's kind of really interesting because he was talking about previous experience with that where the students say oh yeah and so it's just like showing up to class and and doing this and that whatever we're going to get like points or whatnot and then as they're going through the course then they realize that well this is not necessarily the the best way to go about doing things or or creating incentives and um and doing gamification so as the course goes on, they, they kind of change and modify the, the curriculum and modify the grading scheme to reflect more um, actual output, um, actually doing things and, and learning and, and producing something as opposed to uh, uh, just these, these, these other methods of gamification that don't necessarily work that uh, you know, they try to put into other industries. Yeah, very cool. Now, what would you say, like if, if I was going to look at your curriculum, look at the, your, your, the way you do things, so maybe translate that into my own life in some way, even if it's uh, kind of unstructured, just kind of in general. What would you say are like the most important things, like the biggest highlights, maybe the, the most important aspects, especially in that foundational, you know, getting started kind of class? Sure. Um, I have to say just like, uh, just gaining as much early knowledge as you can, getting a broad spectrum of experience. So um, whether it be in gaming or anything else, just trying a lot of different things. So if in, in terms of gaming, try a lot of different types of games, good ones, bad ones, um, old ones, new ones, published prototypes, that type of thing. Um, but just do your research, find out uh, who really knows their stuff and learn from them. Um, take them as mentors or take them as the experience so you can learn and better yourself. And then um, just really take what you learned and then apply it. And I think this works for, for just about anything you're doing. It's, it's one thing to learn it, but then you also have to just really apply it. So um, actually sitting down and doing. So one of the things I always encourage um, other game designers when I'm talking to them is to just get that idea out of your head and create something very simple just to try it. Because it's, um, it's much better to have a lousy prototype than the perfect idea in your head. So it's really about taking action, not just thinking about things, but putting it down on paper trying it out, seeing what works and what doesn't, and then really just testing it and failing fast, and then making changes and growing and learning from that experience. 
So I, I think we've all had the experience that, you know, the first game that we created was not necessarily the best game in the world. Yeah, that's one way to put uh, it. <laughs> but <laughs> for sure. Um, but if you just keep trying and keep keep practicing that habit, learning the process, trying it again and again, it gets a little easier and your games get a little better. And I think you can apply that on just about anything in the real world where practice maybe doesn't make perfect. I don't like to talk about things being perfect because it, that's really hard to attain and, and uh, really something you shouldn't even aim for because you're, you're just never going to make that. But to just keep trying, keep getting better, keep improving. I, I would say um, you don't have to be the best. You just want to always get better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that to really realize is that you're really only competing with yourself. Like you, you don't look at it like you're competing with Eric Lang or Rainer Kernitia or any of these like greatest of all time. Like you're not competing against them. It's not, it's not a competition. Like it's not a, 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 a race. It's not, a, it's not, you're not, that's not the game. You know, it's really about how good can you be like compared to yourself. And I feel like just helping designers think about that because a lot of times people get so frustrated because what they're doing is is not as good as the you know these all time greats who've been doing this for three decades or whatever, and so they get frustrated and a lot of times they give up, they quit. It's, and it's just helping people to realize you're not competing against Eric Lang, you're competing against you. Like how good can you be? Can you be a little bit better today than you were yesterday? And what does that look like to get there? And now, what would be your advice for somebody who maybe wants to translate these ideas and maybe not in a, a structured way, not in a you know classroom setting, but maybe just with their kids or just with a cousin or a nephew or a niece or something like that? What would be your advice as far as translating? kind of your structured curriculum based ideas into more unstructured, you know, just kind of sitting down at the kitchen table and, and, and your daughter walks up and says, Hey, Hey dad, or Hey mom, what are you doing? Like, what does that look like to translate these big concepts into kind of that smaller structure? Sure. I think uh, part of it is just like being present and in the moment and taking, taking that in, taking, I think taking everything as a learning experience. I mean, no matter what you do, whether it's designing a game, uh, talking with your kids, teaching somebody, you can always learn something. So um, just really paying attention and uh, taking that in and um, learning from that and becoming, whether it's a better person, a better game designer or whatnot, taking that experience and um, and just kind of taking yourself to the next level and, and just also just kind of teaching others and talking with others about, you know, never giving up. If it's, if it's, some, if it's something that you're really interested in and really care about, then you just got to keep trying, you know, get back, you know, get back on, on and, uh, and keep trying. Don't, don't ever let yourself fail. Cause it's, it's never really a failure if you get back up and keep trying again. Yeah, definitely. I think another thing is to also realize that you don't have to be an expert to be able to impart wisdom and, and ideas and knowledge to somebody else. You just have to be a little bit further ahead of them in in the path, you know, on the journey. I'm reminded of when I was in my early 20s, I was uh, working at the, or not working yet. I was just going to a church uh, in Atlanta and, and somebody asked me to be part of the discipleship program and to kind of work with some of these high school kids, some of these high school young men. And they said, you know, asked me to be part of it. Uh, and I, I remember thinking like, that's, that's crazy. Like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know enough about the Bible or about whatever to help these kids. Like, what am I going to do? And, the, and the, the, the guy that was talking to me, he said, well, here's the deal. To do this effectively, if, there, if that kid you're mentoring, you're working with is in John chapter two, you just have to be in John chapter three. Like you just have to be one chapter ahead to be able to impart wisdom about what you're learning one chapter ahead. And I feel like there's a lot of people that listen to the show that maybe are just starting out or, you know, haven't had much experience, maybe haven't even, even finished that first prototype yet and would say, oh, I don't, I don't know enough to, to mentor somebody. I don't know enough to teach anybody. 
but but you do you you know a lot you you've know you know a great deal more than somebody who's just getting started you know brand new without any knowledge whatsoever and so i would like to encourage anybody listening to this that if you have opportunities whether it's with your kids or with you know a family member a loved one a friend somebody online even just to share a little bit of wisdom just a little bit of knowledge of something you've been learning i think that goes a long way in helping people uh, travel down this road you don't have to be eric lang you don't have to be reiner canizia you don't have to be jamie stegmeyer to share wisdom you just have to be one chapter ahead you just have to be one you know not even a mile one one step down the journey further than the person that you're talking to and, and don't be afraid to just share whatever wisdom you've learned absolutely i mean i i firmly believe in that as well and i think back to when you know i first started designing games and you know i was learning from other people who you know were you know just a little bit further ahead of me and i got a lot of knowledge from them and and it was super helpful to me and then i think about you know when i was you know, one year into game design and two years into game design. And I still didn't feel like I, I knew all that much. But if somebody who's just starting out would come up to me and ask me a question, I could quite often do something to help them out. So absolutely, you don't have to be, um, you know, somebody with 20 years of experience and, and working in the industry forever. You can have whatever experience that you have and share that with others. You can answer their questions. You don't have to be an expert. Like you said, you just have to be a little bit ahead of that next person. And even when I was teaching, um, a lot of it, we were talking about video games at times. And although I've played lots of video games, I don't know as much about the industry as I do the tabletop side. So quite often, it would just be a matter of, like you said, just reading one chapter ahead, and then I could share that knowledge and information. And I was learning as I was going along as well. I think that's another important aspect to never stop learning. Because even though I was the teacher, I would still learn things from the students and learn things from our readings and from the games that we played. And there's always something you can take and grow and, and get better with. Yeah, for sure. I'd say that's probably the most important aspect of anything, especially in the creative field, but it's, it can also be a detriment to be an expert because if you're, if you've been doing this for 20 years, it's easy to forget what somebody's dealing with in year one, right? That's 20 years ago. It's kind of hard to remember that far back about what people are struggling with when they first get started. And so honestly, it could be easier to help people, right? When, when you're in the middle of things as well, because you're learning and you're growing, you're making mistakes and you're figuring things out. And it's a little easier because you're closer to it to help somebody that that's just a little bit further behind you, as opposed to somebody who's 20 years behind you. Cause you get that curse of knowledge sometimes and you forget you know, how difficult it is or how, how much somebody has to struggle. I think there's another reason why, like if you're talking about sports, a lot of times great players don't don't make great coaches, right? It's just it, very rarely does a really great player turn into a great coach down the road uh, later because it, it's just, it's very hard when you're an expert and you're so good at something, it can be difficult to kind of impart that knowledge and wisdom because you, you maybe don't realize what other people are struggling with. For sure. I mean, I, I hear that from designers all the time, people that are just getting into game design and they'll come to me with a question and I'll, and I'll just think for a second and be like, oh yeah, I, I had the same types of questions when I was starting off. So I had to go back to kind of like a, a beginner's mindset and think about, okay, what were the things that I really needed to know or really needed to learn when I was first getting started with game design? And then I can help them with that. And it, it's amazing. Some of the questions that come up and you think like, oh, yeah, everybody kind of knows about that, but not everybody does because they're just getting started off. And you were once at that point too, and you had some of those similar questions. So if you have just a little bit more experience than somebody else, you can definitely help them out. And it's, it's good to stay in that kind of beginner mindset too, to think, to not talk like over people's heads, for example, talk about um, really technical terms and that type of thing where people won't necessarily understand what you're talking about, but kind of start with the basics and help them grow, help them learn and bring them up to your level so that they can 
become better game designers as a result. Yeah, for sure. I think it's Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, he, he, he did a masterclass uh, talking about writing. And one of the things he said was, it's your job to write at an eighth grade level so that people understand it, but to say things that are deeply complex and significant. I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's it, man. You write on a level that, that the majority of people are going to be able to read it and, and grasp what you're saying. But at the same time, you want it to be something they go, wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's deep. That's complex. And I think game design is the same kind of thing. You want to talk in a way, not using a ton of jargon, right? That people understand, they grasp what you're saying. But at the same time, you're going into these concepts. They're like, whoa, okay, this is really cool. And you're, and you're showing them the way kind of hand in hand, so to speak. Uh, and there's some really cool ways to do this now with, with the uh, wonderfulness that is the wonderfulness and awfulness, but we're going to focus on the wonderfulness that, of the internet. Uh, you can, you can organize a lot of really cool things with Facebook groups and, and, and meetups. Now, I think if I remember right, there's a, an awesome guy in the BGDL community named Hans, who I think he does this in Boston. And I think it's through a meetup group where he puts together these like very structured uh, once a week kind of classes for game design. When people come in and, and you go through this eight week course, he's got like a, a book, a curriculum, a thing he, he put together and you start the class. Maybe you don't know anything about game design whatsoever. And by the end of the eight weeks or 10 weeks, I can't remember how long it is, but by, by the end of the class, you have a designed game prototyped. You know, you can play test it. It is a, a real thing. It's probably not any good, but it's something that exists that then you can play test and change it and iterate and, and do something different. And I think that's a really cool thing. We live in an age where you can just throw that kind of thing together and get people from your community, from your town to show up. And then you start showing them the way and getting more people into the hobby. So like at this day and age, like, there's no excuse not to be imparting wisdom uh, onto people in different ways. Cause we, we live in such exciting times as far as information. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, there's so many more people getting into board games and getting to the board game design because they're trying new games and they're thinking, well, well, you know, they're seeing other people who've created games and think, Oh, what about me? What, you know, can I create something too? And I actually had the opportunity to uh, teach board game design to a bunch of students at uh, a day camp last year, which is really cool. They, they actually set up a day camp that was specifically for two weeks about tabletop games. And they, they played a bunch of different games to give them the experience of playing games like Catan and, um, and some other more modern board games that they may not have seen. Um, and some games like Resistance and that type of thing. And then they, they would, you know, teach them a little bit about game design, and then they started to actually design their own game. So uh, these were these were fairly young kids, but they were getting really, really into this. And it was really cool to see them actually design their own games. And I went in and taught them a little bit about how to do playtesting and how to design your game and talked about mechanics and that type of thing. And then uh, I watched as they were experiencing the game with each other. So they were playtesting their game for the first time with their friends, trying it out, seeing what worked and seeing what didn't. And it was really cool to see them at such a very young, early age, really getting into this and really enjoying uh, the tabletop world. So it's never too early to start. Yeah, for sure. One thing I was talking to the people at, at my church. Uh, so I, I come back to the States during the summer. And one of the things I was talking to the people that run a lot of the, the summer programs and whatnot, because they, they're always looking for ideas. I mean, these kids are out of school, their parents are at work. The kids need something to do during the week. It's not just sit at home and play Fortnite all day long. And so a lot of times the church will run these different camps and they'll do like a sports camp. They'll do like a drama camp. They'll do science camp. And so I was talking to the lady in charge of it. And I said, well, what if we did like a board game camp? What if we did like a three or four day deal? And, and you know, the kids, they, they come in and I teach them, you know, basics of game design. And we play, you know, uh, younger level games and, and show them kind of these new hop things beyond Uno, things beyond Monopoly. You know, there's so many um, wonderful games from Haba and all these other different um, Blue Orange, just amazing games for kids. And then start teaching them kind of the foundations of, of game design. You know, maybe they pay 50 bucks, 75 bucks and and paying for that gets, uh, you know, 
dice and some pawns and components and cubes and different things like that. And also pays for lunch. Like you could do some really cool things, almost like a summer camp environment. And you don't have to be some crazy expert. You just have to be a little bit further along than the seven-year-old that you're teaching. Right. And so I feel like there's a lot of really cool opportunities. If people would just be creative in the way that they kind of think about this, maybe going into some kind of inner inner city setting, right. Where, where these kids don't have access to this kinds of stuff and just imparting wisdom, imparting knowledge and maybe an after school program or something like that. I, I feel like we live in such a time where there, where there's so much potential and I'm excited to see how people uh, come up with ideas to, to just bring the, the, the game design field to the next generation in different ways, whether it's with meetups, whether it's online, whether it's with college curriculum courses or, or whatever else, I, I'm just super excited. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's, it's really amazing to see that kids aren't necessarily just all about the video games. Um, yeah. they, you, they can sit down and you can show them a game and they can play it. And they're like, that was amazing. You know, we show them Fireball Island or um, Pandemic or something along those lines. And they play it and they're like, wow, that was really cool. Can we play it again? Or can we play a different game? And then next time you see them, um, they're asking, oh, you know, you're, you're the games guy. So that's a really cool uh, kind of thing because they, they know that when you come around, you're, you're going to bring some games and, and bring some fun to their life. Yeah, definitely. Now, Joe, what would be your, your closing advice, your closing thoughts, especially for somebody who's maybe on the fence or thinking about, okay, well, maybe I could mentor somebody. Maybe I could teach this stuff. Like, what would you tell that person to kind of encourage them? I think similar to what you were saying is as long as you have some experience and it can just be even a little more experience than the next person, you have something to teach them. I mean, you have that experience. You've, you've created a game or you're in the process of creating a game and you've learned a lot of things along the way. And those are a lot of things you can teach to a new game designer. And you'd be surprised at how helpful that is. Um, if you think back to when you were first starting out and you know how difficult it was necessarily trying to find information about this, how to go about creating a game, how to get ideas, that type of thing. Whatever information you can help somebody out and just mentor them even just a little bit, it's going to help them so much. And they're going to be so appreciative of it because you think about what it was like when you first started and how much that would have really uh, you know, driven your game design forward and, and gotten you a lot further. Yeah, for sure. Well, Joe, awesome, man. I really appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on the show. You've got an online game design course that you've been working on for a while that's, uh, that's coming out. So tell me more about that. Yeah, it's, it's called the Board Game Design Course. And it's really meant to help new and aspiring game designers to create their own game. It's completely online, so anybody can join and take it from anywhere. And what it is, it's an eight-week course where there's going to be weekly video lessons along with audio MP3s and transcripts, um, some action-oriented tasks. So it's not just going to be sitting there um, listening to lectures, but they're actually going to be taking this knowledge and going off and creating the, their own game that they wanted to create. Uh, there's also going to be an exclusive Facebook group for the members and weekly coaching calls, so there will be a chance to answer any questions anyone has. And um, so what I'm doing, this is the first time I'm opening up this course. So enrollment is going to be open, but only until Friday, March 1st, 2019 at 11.59 Eastern time, 11.59 p.m. Eastern time. But if you're listening to this after March 1st and you, and you can still add your name to the wait list and I can let you know when the course is being offered again. And I've also got lots of resources on my site for designers. So make sure to check it out at boardgamedesigncourse.com. Awesome. Man, I hope that just does really, really well. I hope some people find find their way, uh, so to speak, in this game design thing that we love so much. Hopefully people can can get into the hobby uh, that way. Well, Joe, man, again, I hope it 
uh, all goes really well and uh, good luck with the the rollout of the course and good luck with everything else you got going on right now thanks a lot gabe thanks for listening hosting for the board game design lab podcast is sponsored by quartermaster logistics the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?